Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church today. We hope this message blesses you. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Now here's the message. All right. I know you all love that little quiet moment between somebody you don't know. I know you all just get thrilled over that. Who does get thrilled about that? You're like, that's my, give me somebody I don't know and I love it. All right. Now, who's the opposite? You're like, I hate everything you just made me do. <laughs> I love you, all right? Welcome to Cobblestone. We're a family. Uh, we're a family that believes a few things. Number one, we are taught by the Word of God, so we want you to get a Bible in your hands, and if you need one along these walls, kind of underneath each light, uh, there are Bibles. You can take one home if you don't have one. I've always said if you have 17 Bibles at your house, do not take our Bible, all right? We also are taught by the Word, but we also are led by the Spirit. We want to mix those two things. If those two things coincide in a place, you will have revival, power, and the kingdom of God. We want that, right? So we're going to get in the book of Galatians today. Open up a Bible to Galatians chapter 5. Can we turn the house lights up just a little bit? Because I can already hear people being like, I can't see it. Uh, I'll start today with a question. Who wants to be more loving joyful, peaceful, gentle, humble, like just if you were like, yeah, I want more of that in my life. And now some of you are like, I refuse to raise my hands. <laughs> okay, that's why we're talking about what we're talking about today. Uh, but who really wouldn't, right? Like when I die, I want people to be like, that man was full of the love of God, the peace of God, the joy of God, the gentleness of God. And what these are called biblically are one word. Do you know what those are called? Fruit. We want to be fruity Christians. That was a dad joke. Really felt horrible. Uh, but when you read the Bible, there's a whole context for you should have fruit in your life. Christians should be fruitful. It should be growing out of you. And we got to understand the context because already, if I was to like, who wants love in their life? Some of you are like, I'm like, are you a loving Christian? Some of you would be like, Yes. Some of you would lie. Some of you would be like, no. And then immediately what proceeds, when you ask these questions, you go, well, then I must produce love in me. Have you ever seen somebody try to love somebody they really don't? Have you ever seen someone give an apology that they don't actually mean? I'm sorry. That's what it looks like. And so there's something other than just, let's learn what these fruits are and then create a task list so how I can be more loving and joyful and remove Jesus out of it. I don't want to do that today. So I want to pray. And I, I, know, I know in churches where people go, they're like, well, prayer, it's like a transition. I don't care if we pray the next 45 minutes and then you go home. I'd say this in the moment. I love talking to him more than I like talking to you. I like being with God. And if I could teach you anything, it's that you can be with him and if you're with him, these things will grow. So we're going to stop as a church. So if you're a Jesus-loving, Holy Spirit-filled person, we get to talk to God. And we're going to ask him that as we read his word, that it would so spiritually change us, it would be like fire in our bones. Conviction, life, and resurrection power would happen when we read this today. I was taught the fruit of the Spirit as a kid. It was probably on a felt board with an apple and a banana, followed by a song. That, I'm not, that's great for memorization. I'm talking about the Spirit of God so filling you that what pours out of your life from this moment on is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gracious, and self-control. 
God, God bears that, grows that in a man or a woman that sits with God. So can we sit with God for a second? So Laura, we just stop. I love being with you. In fact, I, I get fearful that I'll get up here and I'll say things in my own strength. So Lord, I just ask for your, your Holy Spirit's help. We want your presence more than we want knowledge. We want your presence more than we want fame. We want your, we want your presence more than I want life itself. We want to know you. So, Lord, I ask that you would so invade this space that the kingdom of heaven would come close right now. We are a people bought by the blood of Jesus, which is a precious thing. And where we are lacking love or joy or peace or any of the fruit of your spirit, would you convict us? Would you show us where we have attached our lives to wrong vines and plug our lives into the vine that is God, that is the Father? If we abide... We will bear much fruit. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I pray in the name of Jesus for the breaking of legalism and the religious spirit. I pray against lawlessness that we would try to produce this stuff on our own. I thank you that your, your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. So Jesus, we just stop. Is there anything you want to whisper to anybody Open our ears, make us attentive. Thank you for your holiness, thank you for your presence. With nothing going on in the room, God, I just ask if there's bodies that are broken in this room, that you would heal them. If there's marriages that are under strife, that right now the peace of God would come and the wisdom of God would accompany it with a humility. We love you. Thank you that you first loved us. Teach us what you're like today, in Jesus' name. Amen? So if you just walk through the Bible, which is what you should do when you study a thing, if you walk through the Bible, Matthew 7 says, you will recognize them by their, I even underlined it for you, okay? They're, they're fruits. You'll recognize disciples. You'll recognize people that belong to Jesus by what grows off of their life. I'll give you another one. Matthew 21, 43. The kingdom of God will be given to a people producing its fruit. So the kingdom of heaven even has things that will accompany a life that belongs to the kingdom of heaven. Likewise is also true. A life that belongs to the kingdom of darkness will have fruit that accompanies it. It'll be a very different kind of fruit though. John 15, 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is it that bears much fruit all through the bible john 15 8 by this my father is glorified that you bear much just fruit this idea that you are connected to a power source that is holy other and supernatural and what flows out of that will produce literally if you just pictured like little pods growing out on your arms little dangly apples growing out of your ears fruit and it's not substance substantive i can't talk it's these characteristics that look a whole lot like Jesus in loving, in peace, in joy, in gentleness, and where you have a life. I can usually tell when someone comes in my office if they've been sitting with Jesus or not. Do you know how I know? 
are these things flowing off their life? No, I'm not saying you ever get worried a little bit and then, oh my gosh, I don't have any fruit. I'm saying you can tell. And the Christian's life, an unfru- I think an unfruitful Christian is a contradiction. It might be small fruit. You might be like, oh, baby kiwi. That might be true. But every Christian has fruit. Some of us, you're really good at the whole like gentleness thing. You're like super gentle. But then you get behind closed doors and you're a rage monster. So I want to talk about fruit because I've heard it my whole life. And I want to start in Galatians 5, verse 22, which is the verse about what the fruits of the Spirit are. Hopefully by the end of this, you can memorize them, and I'll teach you a song by the end maybe. Who knows? But Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now we're just taking that one verse. We're going to give some context here in a second. This is how I read the Bible. When I read the Bible, I look for key words. The word but is at the beginning of that sentence, is it not? You're like, are we in English class? Yes, because it means he's talking about something that's true over here, but this is what the Spirit does. So you've got to figure out what he's talking about. Second word, the word of, that preposition of, whose fruit is it? The Spirit's fruit. Is it your fruit? Go ahead and make yourself grow fruit. Ready? Let's all grow fruit. I cropped my pants, but I didn't grow any fruit. (laughs) Right? That's not how it works. It's not how it works. Unless you have a pharisaical heart and you'll go, I'll make a system that'll make me outwardly look like I have this fruit. But my heart will not change. This is the substantive, substantive difference between spirit fruit and flesh fruit. The Spirit of God does a thing that no man or woman can do, and out of a heart touched by God flows these things. So what we need to do is start to understand that if it's not ours and it's his, all right, how do I surrender more to the work of Jesus so I can love, so I can have peace even when it doesn't make sense? Here's what I know. Uh, When I talk about these, like I said, there's this thing that happens. Paul is laying a groundwork to destroy a false gospel. This is Galatians. Galatians is just like, don't add anything to Jesus. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. So if you go Jesus plus circumcision, isn't that what everybody in the room is like, yeah, circumcision. You're not. Jesus plus perfect morality. That means God likes me. So if you had a good week this week and you came to church, I bet you're feeling pretty chipper. You're like, God likes me. God's proud of me. If you had a little rougher week, maybe temptation was just ticking a little higher this week, or maybe you, your, your cat got hit by a car. Thank God. I mean, like, whatever happens. I don't like cats. Uh, whatever happened, right? Whatever happened and you had a bad week, you came in here a little bit like, I bet God doesn't love me as much. So if I tell you a good Christian has fruit, and you immediately go, that must mean I'm a bad Christian. We just have a tendency to err into legalism and then fake it or create a way that is so heavy burdened that there's no margin for error. But God invited you through the death of Jesus and his resurrection from the dead into a relationship to walk, talk, and be with him. 
That is where all this stuff forms in me. And half the time, I mess up every week. Anybody else? Just a really weak, broken person most of the time? But with a really good Savior. A really good Savior. Who he shows all this to me and more. So my goal today is not like, all right, action point number one. And I know you type A'ers would be like, please, give me an action point. My goal today is that you would leave here with a worshiping heart, more eager than you've ever been to dedicate a time in your day to sit with the lover of your soul and let him massage your heart, to allow the word of God to so penetrate you that it will reveal where you're not these things, and it will reveal if I plug myself into any social media outlet for the next 24 hours, what's going to come out of my life? What? Garbage. Make it fancy. Garbage, right? If I plug myself into anything on the television, what's going to come out of my life? If I plug myself into a living, breathing, alive relationship with the Son of God, what should flow out of my life? So it's not a problem of fruit needing us to urge it out. I think the church has a problem of first priorities. We have to be with God. And because we thought that we figured out how to be with God, there's a lack of fruit. So I want you to worship God because Paul, the Apostle Paul, was not so much worried about rules. He actually called the Galatians foolish. He said, who bewitched you? You were running well. And then these Jewish guys came in and they went, all right, this Je- yeah, Jesus, but you got to do the Jewish law. And Paul goes, that's ridiculous. If you get circumcised, Christ is nothing to you, he's going to say. So go back. We'll give you some context. Go to Galatians 5.1. We'll start in the beginning of the chapter. This is how you read the Bible. You get the context. You get the bigger picture. He's making an argument. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Everybody picture Braveheart. That, this is it. Why did Jesus save you? What did he save you into? Freedom. To be free. The most free place is not at Brick Street, consuming large amounts of alcohol, sleeping with anybody you can see. That's actually death and jail. Freedom is in glad submission to the living Son of God. Because God made it that way, and that's where human life flourishes. We have it wrong. We're like, well, then that would mean I, I couldn't sleep around and drink and do it. Yeah, because that kills you. Spiritually, physically, socially, relationally, you were made for something way higher that lives in the weight place of freedom. Why did Jesus save you? Why did Jesus die and rise from the dead? Why did he come to you and come, come follow me? So that you might be free in every way possible. The most free people on the planet are Christians who understand that their life is for the Lord. You can put them anywhere. They're like, I don't care what you take from me. I don't care what you give me. I don't care what, who hits me. I don't care how many kids. I don't care how much money I have. I care if I have God. If I have God, I'm good. That's freedom. That's freedom. And the world wants you to know if you don't have a labradoodle and 2.5 kids and a good healthy marriage and a full hairline, you're not satisfied. I'm free because Christ set me free. You are free 
because Jesus set you free and his blood is more powerful than any other force on the planet. You are free because Jesus set you free unless you start giving yourselves back to things that enslaved you. So we come to Jesus and he cuts the shackles off, takes off the ball and chain, and I'm free. And then five years later, we get a little tired of, uh, you know, a little tired of Bible studies and devos. We start to feel a little bit of shame. And we go back and we're like, reshackle me. Satan's like, okay, I'll take that deal. Almost like, see, Jesus, I got him again. Jesus wants you free. He wants you unburdened. Christ freed us for freedom. And what I think Paul's getting at, there's many ways that we go back to slavery. It'd be like in my marriage. So I've been married 16 years. Yes, yes, 16 years. Uh, and then, you know, let's say I got to a point where Anna's like, you know what, I just, I need you to prove your love to me. You need to take me to a fancy dinner. You need to be at my beck and call. You need to do everything I ask. And then you need to give me $3,000 to do whatever I want with. I'd be like, oh, okay, <laughs> I don't have it, but okay. Uh, now, these are not me taking my, date, my wife on a date to a nice restaurant. Is that bad? Me loving my wife, is that bad? Me doing all that so I can earn her love, is that bad? Thank you. Why do we do that with God? This is what Paul's after. Why are you trying to earn something that is freely given? Why are you over here talking circumcision, Galatians, when God has proven that he is for you and will save you by the cross? The cross and that's it. The cross is foolishness to people because they're like, I want to earn it. You can't earn it. You could scrub all day long with whatever holy soap you can find and it will not make your soul clean. You can cut off whatever parts of your body you want in an act of holiness, and it will not make your soul clean. You can try all day long to say shucky darn instead of the F word, and it will not make your soul clean. Jesus Christ and Christ alone will make your soul clean and make you a new creation. This is what Paul's, Paul's angsty about it. Paul's a little ticked off about it. If I talked to you like Paul talked to them, you'd be like, he's angry. He's, he's like, you're idiots. Why would you trade this for that? Anybody want circumcision over freedom in Jesus? Anybody want legalism over friendship with God? But how quickly do we fall into that? Well, if I, I have to do A and I have to do B and I, I miss my quiet time, I, I bet he's mad at me. We do it all day. The reality is the gospel of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead freed me. I am free and I am a son forever. And if I have a bad day tomorrow, guess what? I'm still a son. And if I mess up royally, I'm not out of the family. So if we don't go back and do this work, we will misunderstand the gospel, live as orphans, which I talked about last week, and not live in the love, peace, joy, and patience, all the good things that God wants to produce in us. I don't want to live like a slave with God. I want to live like a son. Don't you? I don't want to live right outside the living room. I want to get in the living room with God. And Paul's battling against this mindset of do it, do, 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 do. You got to do for God. Do this, do that. Now, once again, it's a good thing that I pursue my wife. It's a good thing to pursue God. It's a good thing to set a time. I put calendar dates to go on dates with Anna. It's a good time to set aside time I mean, it's on my calendar to, to be with God. Is that 
religious? Or is that love? I love Anna, I will schedule time with her. I love God, so I'll schedule time with her. Nothing else will take that time. I love being with him. Galatians 5, he continues in verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So someone comes to you tomorrow and says, hey, I know you like this Jesus thing, but let me tell you about these Jewish festivals. You have to do a Seder meal to really understand Jesus and his cross. You yell at them, Galatians 5.1. Some people won't like this. Some of you are really into Jewish stuff. Great. <laughs> Mazel tov. Do it. But if you add anything to Jesus, you are a fool. And you're missing the point royally. It is the most simple but most powerful truth. Jesus paid it all. Everything. It's finished. And when you get a human heart that will literally picture like the soul roots you have and they go deep into that truth, Jesus did everything, you are free. And you rest. There is a soul level rest that Christians alone can experience. Because if Jesus really paid everything, what do you have left to pay? You're like, can I pay the tip, God? He's like, no, I don't need you to pay anything. I don't need you to add to this. You can't take away from it. I did it all. That is the best news. And some of you, you still don't believe it. So you'll, you'll go on for about 10 years trying to earn it until God, by his spirit, finally breaks you and shows you that you're weak, but he's strong. You're just the broken clay pot and the vessel that he's filled. That's a good moment. He continues in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So two words are kind of at play. Jesus brings freedom. Freedom. There's another thing at war in every person in this room, and it's that word, flesh. Everybody just pinch yourself. He's talking about the physical construct that you are in a body. Your soul is made alive in Christ. The Holy Spirit has been poured into you by the Father. That's Romans 4. And, but now, anyone ever feel that war? You're like, freedom, oh, flesh. You feel that? He's about to start addressing that. And what he's going to tell us is that self does nothing except wanting to please self. It has no interest in Christ alone. It has no interest in letting Jesus be the sole provider of salvation. Flesh wants to earn it. Flesh wants to prove it. Flesh wants self. Some of you, this is your problem. The reason you don't have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and graciousness is because Christ and the Holy Spirit, can't, they, they don't cohabitate. So some of you, you're going to have to put your flesh to death this week if you want those things to show off. What I would say is John 6, 63, the spirit gives life, the, fl the flesh profits. Did I put that up there? No, I didn't. The flesh profits nothing. Thank you. Paul's saying stop trying to prove to God. Stop operating in the flesh by trying to add anything to the spiritual power of the cross. And as he walks through this, there's a new lens that I want you to see the fruit of the spirit then. So he says... There's this flesh at work in you. Don't use the freedom in Christ you have. So you're free. You are free. Don't use that freedom you have in God to then indulge your earthly desires. 
Don't use the freedom that you have been made from the law to now go and do the very things that are at war in you. Verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Do you see that competing desire, that tug of war? Can we be honest? Anybody feel that tug of war? Please, like you should all raise your hands because you're just lying. You feel this, and some of us, we've learned to cut off the flesh more than us, but all of us are in this process going, man, I need to crucify that desire. The problem is, and I think the way to, to fight this is, most of us are crit- crucially unaware of the forces that are at, at work against us. So we have Satan, the great accuser of all of you, at work against you. He wants you to live out of your flesh. Your own flesh, your own desires that are separate from the Spirit of God and the things of God. You know what it wants to do? What it wants to do, instead of acting in kindness and love and all the fruits of the Spirit, it wants to tell the boss to shove it. It wants to tell the wife, you take out the trash. It wants to sit on the couch and be lazy. The flesh, you know the flesh? Everybody in the room should be like, yes, I understand the flesh very well. What we don't understand is then, I think, is, is the spirit. But let's understand the flesh. The flesh will always lead you towards two things, legalism or lawlessness. The self-desires will lead you those two directions. It's what it does. It always loves legalism because it's not freedom. Legalism is you must do to earn love. But you were loved at your worst when you were an enemy of God. Now, lawlessness is the exact opposite. And so what I've seen happen is a lot of kids, a lot of like college students who I'll interact with, like I was raised in a very religious home. You've heard people say that? And so they watched legalism. They watched mom and dad act a certain way at church and then act a very different way at home. And then these kids kind of look at this, this construct that we've built, which is built on outward behavior modification, and they go, I don't want any of that. I don't want this Jesus stuff. But what they've equated this Jesus stuff to is legalism. And so what do they do? They run full long into lawlessness, which is, well, if legalism didn't work in a religious sense, I bet doing whatever I want, with however I want, with whoever I want, that'll do it and they end up just as stuck. This is the war of humanity. One is I do it in my own strength, and one is I do it in my own strength, but I do whatever I want. Both lead to death. Both lead to dissatisfaction. Have you ever met a college senior who has drank all the drinks, slept with all the people? Would you call them satisfied? No. I wouldn't call them satisfied. Have you ever met somebody that's given their life to all those things, and do you see the trail of destruction that's behind them? And the Bible's going to say that ultimately that will lead to damnation. So when you choose to gratify those desires, I can feel those desires. And I'm going to get really real, and you all are going to be like, "Eh." So men, I know you do this because I've made a habit when I'm with other dudes in a car, and there's other females around, I watch that man's eyes. Just watch a man's eyes when there's a pretty girl jogging, and you'll know what flesh and spirit looks like. And men are like, don't, don't bring this up. This is secret man stuff. 
secret bro code. Yeah. So what will happen is, regardless if they're super godly or not, some have trained ourselves, like me, like we used to put, anyway, driving a car, beautiful girl, you'll watch him see the girl, which is not sinful or wrong. I see you all right now. I don't think I'm sinning yet. What they'll do, though, because they're male, the eyeballs will do this. I'll be like, bro, where'd your eyes just go? They're like, nowhere. To the Lord. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so do you, there's this pool that you, if you stopped long enough, you would recognize it. And that's the problem. Some of us were just so just going along with our day and so willingly just being bound. But if you would slow down and go, wait, that's my flesh. I don't want to live out of my flesh. And sometimes you're going to give in and you're going to look at the girl, but other times you're going to look the other way and crash your car. So that, yes, God, right? No, you got to learn healthy ways to do this. But what we first have to do is realize the flesh is trying to play me. It wants things contrary to God. Satan is trying to fool me. He wants me to give up on honoring the, the Lord. And there's this war and there's this friction. And you're like, well, if it, if it was just easy, it's not getting easier. The world's getting darker. Enemy's still really crafty. So I'll give you an example. I, I'm not even, this isn't even just a, primarily a woman problem, but sometimes gossip is more of a problem in the, in the woman world. Talking with your friends, is it bad? But you feel this desire like, I just want to talk about Suzanne. I want to tell her what she said. That's flesh. And if we will be a people that will slow down long enough and be more aware of the forces that are upon us, I have literally said out loud in my car, seeing a girl, not sinning with the girl, seeing the girl, I will not dishonor the Holy Spirit today or my wife. And I will put to death the flesh. And then I will, I literally will do this. You joke. I want Jesus more than I want flesh. I want holiness because those that are holy will see God and I want to see him. The reason so many of us can't hear the Holy Spirit is because we've grieved him because we stared at the girl. So many of us don't know what God's doing in our day-to-day -day life because we're locked into computer screens and social media feeds and it's dulled the voice of God. Don't do that. The reason so many of us are not full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness is because we stopped abiding and we plugged ourselves in somewhere else. Come back to the source and plug yourself back in. Because I don't know if you know that the works of the flesh are real evident right now in our world. The works of the flesh, like if I was like, just name some works of the flesh. Just go uptown last night and you could see them all. All of them. I don't know what it is right now. Why do Miami girls think they, they, their butt cheeks have to be out of their shorts? Sorry, Miami girls. Don't have your butt cheeks out. Cool. He says in verse 19, the works of the flesh are evident. They're evident because they're normal. Well, you and I have to understand this world you live in is ruled by Satan, by Satan. He's the ruler and the prince of the power of the air. Now, he has been disarmed by the cross, but the world is still very much under his power and very much anytime the flesh calls a non-Christian, you know what the Christian has to do? Listen to it. That is their master. Your master is the living son of God. Your master is not your flesh or your will, it's his. 
So which one are you listening to? Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, and sensuality. So any distortion or perversion of God's design for sex is this. Is the world living in God's design for marriage and sex right now? I don't think so. Maybe you're like, it's going great. It's a hot mess out there, guys. Uh, idolatry. A.W. Tozer would say idolatry is worshiping anything other than God. Anything other than God would be also worshiping you. So where self gets in front of God and listening to the Spirit, that's idolatry. You have sorcery. Some, some of your versions might say witchcraft. Witchcraft is basically trying to control people and things and circumstances uh, by a power other than God. So some of you almost are operating in a spirit of witchcraft when you try to control people with manipulation. Don't do that. We don't shame people into doing things. That's a Satan trick. God calls people to repentance. So enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, 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 rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, all bitter conflicts that cause discord, they come from the flesh. Why are you all mad at each other? Because somebody didn't get their way. This is every meeting you've ever been in that went poor. Somebody didn't get what they wanted, their flesh wanted, and they got mad about it, which caused a rivalry which caused dissensions. And then finally, drunkenness and orgies. And I think he ties those things together because it's not about the drinking. So Ephesians 5.18, don't get drunk on wine. It's about the heart that says, I don't have enough. Orgies are about how many partners can I have? We don't give and give ourselves to everything. We are satisfied in one thing, in Jesus alone. And things like these, I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's a hard statement, y'all. People that participate in this stuff, people that are willingly giving themselves in their flesh to these things, will not inherit the very kingdom that God is the ruler over. Which should motivate us a little bit, number one, to be holy people that don't live in these things, and two, to call people out of them. We need to be a people that realize as well, though, that this is not a list of, uh, this is how bad people live. This is what sin makes you do. This is what flesh makes you do. And everybody in here still has flesh and bones, I think. You haven't become spirit creatures yet? Everybody in here, and it might not be, I think I'll go join an orgy today. That might won't be it, but slander Gossip, lust, rage in your heart, thoughts that are impure towards the secretary if you're married, these will be the things that Satan will be like, it's not that bad. The flesh will be like, come on, God can't expect you to be perfect. Except the one that is holy and saved you calls you to be holy. Holy. And he's triple holy, last I checked. Holy, 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 which means... It's holy. I know that's a really good definition. <laughs> so what we need is if we realize, well, okay, it's not my fruit. I can't produce it. Number two, I have flesh, and I feel these powers at work every day, Andrew, and I feel stuck. Then you need a power outside of you. You need something greater than that. I got good news. The Spirit always produces freedom 
and fruit. You know why? Whose spirit is the spirit? Jesus sent the spirit, asked the Father to send the Holy Spirit, which is God's spirit. So when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about woo. We're not talking about, oh, I feel a faint flutter. We're talking about God himself indwelling a human cavity and then producing in it what only God can do, which means, oh, got little fruit makers all over here, right? So why do we see so little fruit sometimes? But verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. You're not under it anymore. So here's this idea. The Jews knew they belonged to God. God made a covenant with them and then gave them a law and said, because you're my people, I want you to live this way. There are 678, no, there's a little bit more than that. There's a lot of laws. It's 600 and something, but I don't want to be wrong. And then someone will email me. Actually, it's 692.4. There's a lot. Aren't you glad you don't have to live by all of this? Aren't you glad that I, like I always say, aren't you glad I'm not up here hearing a confession and then slicing a bull's throat and then burning the sacrifices? Aren't you glad that you don't have to have livestock on the ready for when you sin? Because the spotless lamb of God was the final sacrifice that took away the sins of the earth. So we don't have to come in here and be like, please, please. We get to come in here and go, thank you, thank you. It is the most freeing best news. But we thought, I I know the gospel and I want to graduate. There's no graduating. There's just going deeper. Go deeper into this thing. Understand the power and the mystery of God that only is in Jesus. It is a mystery to me that God's son, the perfect one, would die for me. The moment I stop marveling at is the moment that I think I've arrived and then all of a sudden my flesh has got me. I want to live in a constant state of all of that. The Son of God, perfect, holy, true, everything, love, joy, all it just exuded from him, died for me. He died for you. He died for people that hated him. He died for people that should have no business being died for. And you understand this, right? So I have a six-year-old daughter. I would willingly die for that kid. I'd jump in front of the car, get the gator, gator head, just get me gator. You know, like, I don't care. Now, I, there's a couple of people I'd be like, ah, it's a bigger ask. You know what I mean? So you understand this, right? God did this. God did this. This is the reality that we're enjoying the benefits of. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The Spirit, and this is why, the law is about external change. Don't cuss. Don't sin. Don't do this. Don't, 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 don't. It's about, I don't, I want to control my ties. I want to control my environment. I want to control my behavior. What is the Spirit of God about? The internal heart change. The law of God being written in a human heart where you don't even want to do that anymore. God alone can do that. I can tell you all day long, don't sleep around. And then there's a moment where the Spirit of God comes in and you're like, I only want to be faithful to you. Who did that? You? No. God did. The Spirit of God can only do that. And so he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And I left this off. Against such things... There is no law. So we don't do the, I'm not like, hey God, I'm gonna love them because you made a rule. 
I'm going to be full of peace because you command it. No, I am full of the love of God and the peace of God and the joy of God and the goodness of God because the God of heaven and earth died and rose from the dead and changed me entirely from within and then out. If your heart's dirty, you're not cleaning it. Do you want your soul clean, cleansed? You must come to Jesus. Some of us, I think we love logistics. So I've met several young couples that want to get pregnant, right? I have never once given them a biology book and been like, let's study human pre-production, ever. Why? Most young couples, if you put them in a dark room, they're going to figure it out. You're like, why are you talking about this? Most of the time when it comes to fruit, you're like, give me, give me the textbook. Tell me, let's study the fruit of God, right? And then you make a chart, and we're going to measure our love and define it. And what is, what is the love of God, Andrew? And you, you want to get real heady about it. But no couple ever that's in love has to figure out how to produce a kid. It's produced because they love it's produced because you put them together. If you get with Jesus, this will be produced. It's, it's, I don't even like math equations. I can tell, Anna can tell when I haven't been with God. You need to go pray, honey? I probably do. You know, to be with Jesus, you're a lot more gentler when you're with Jesus, Andrew. The love of God pours out of my life when I'm with Jesus. If I have a really hectic day and I don't, I don't get time to pray, I am not full of love. This, it's just that simple. And so when I look at the landscape of Christians that literally sound just like the world on social media, I'm going, have we lost our minds and stopped spending time with him? Stop neglecting your time with God. Sit with him. Sit with him. And some of you are like, I have, and I don't, I'm saying, go in a room and say, God, I'm not leaving till I see you. And you're like, what if nothing happens? Well, I bet 24 hours goes by and something happens. You're like, but I got, I got nothing more important. And I know real life happens, and I know jobs, and I know, I know. If what we're saying is true, we can know the God of heaven and earth. What is more valuable? Well, most Christians would tell you by their life that about 300, 300 other things is more valuable. There's nothing more valuable than him. Nothing. When you get to the end of your life, the only thing that will be there is him. And we will wish that we had given him more. I do not want us, and I usually say me, I do not want us regretting and going, God, I wish I would have given you more. I want to give him everything now. I want to crucify all the flesh now so that when I get there, he's like, you could have cut that out a lot quicker. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. So I want to look at this a little differently because if we're not those things, he's describing actually a person. So I have to stop talking. But when has that ever stopped me? Um, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. The guy who saved me and saved you, real perfect. So when we talk about these things, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, what is the embodiment of love that we have ever seen? Jesus Christ. 
The way that he loves, the greatest act of love in all of mankind was the sinless Savior to die for sinful humanity. Let's go with joy. In spite of suffering and circumstances, the man of God, Jesus Christ, full of joy, was this, oh my gosh, it is the joy of my life to lay my life down for these people. The peace of God. Jesus is actually called the Prince of Peace. Did you know that? So if he's the prince of it, that means he's the one that gives it. You have the patience of God. I mean, Jesus' patience is shown off in my life almost every day. I'm real stubborn. I'm like, every time I pray, I'm like, God, if you're going to speak to me, make it so loud. Smack me in the face with it. Because I'm hard of hearing and a little bit stupid. Kindness. Jesus constantly went to the broken, the sinful, and the outcast and knelt down and looked them in the face with kindness. The ones that shouldn't be with the Son of God, Jesus. Kindness is embodied in Jesus. Jesus is called goodness. Jesus is called the good shepherd. Goodness is found in a person. Love is found in a person. Peace is found in a person. But what happens is, because we are who we are, when you read the fruit of the Spirit, who do you think about more, you or Jesus? Just say you. You immediately go, I want this in my life. That wasn't the goal of the sermon, right? The goal of the sermon was to worship the one who is these things and then go be with him and ask him to produce them in you. Can you do that this week? Can you commit with me this week? You'll go sit with Jesus and then be honest with him because some of you are not loving Christians. What do you mean, Andrew? I stand on the street every day and I hit people with the Bible and I tell them they're going to hell. Super loving. All the loves. Maybe you sit with Jesus and ask him what true love is. And be like, God, I want to love them. Maybe it's not the funny, maybe it's you have a hard person, you want to love them. You're not going to be able to produce that in your flesh or on your own. The Spirit of God can. If you want these things, you will need to let go of you and purposefully crucify the flesh. Fight it. Say it out loud. Today I am not listening to you, flesh. All day long, thoughts come in my head, and I have come, I'm, I'm trying to get really good at going, that was Andrew, that was the Spirit, that was Satan, that was Andrew. That, you know, like, you have to be aware. You actually have to take thoughts captive and go, oh, look at the girl, is not God's will for Andrew's life. You know that, right? Sitting up into the night, staring at a computer screen with images on it, men, is not God's will for you. He wants freedom. It's for freedom he set you free. Don't yoke yourself to slavery, which means you'll have to join the fight. Because yes, it's spirit, it's spirit wrought fruit. God does this fruit. He bears this fruit. It's not you. You didn't save you. You ain't growing this fruit. But I can join them in the process. And there's decisions that I make every day where I go, God, I want the fruit more than I want anything else. So I'll ask you a question, and then we'll land this thing. Are you being controlled by the flesh or by the spirit? And they're really, it's, it's kind of a test. He tells us what the flesh looks like, and then he tells us what the spirit produces. Which one do you see in more measure in your life? And then you know what you need to do. You need to cut off the flesh and allow the spirit to lead. And you're like, lead. I know that in my heart and in my life, 
a normal thing for me to do is not to say sorry or, hey, let me text that person just to say I care about them. That's not a normal Andrew thought. You're like, you're not very nice. I'm not without Jesus. So what I've learned to do is if the middle of my day, one of you comes to mind, I pray for you, and then I go, God, what do you want to do? Tell them you love them. And I'm like, hey, bro, I love you. Right? So I'm a work in progress. You're a work in progress. That's the spirit leading me into the love of God. Peace is the same way. Joy is the same way. It's produced when I listen to the spirit. And some of you, you're like, God doesn't lead me. God, does, I don't know what he wants from me. And all, all day long, it's noise and noise and business plans and spreadsheets and, ah, I got to get to break. And no awareness. Listen. God wants to lead his people. He'll speak to you. He'll tell you what to do. He'll cal- calm a storm. He might rile you up. I've been provoked by the Spirit of God so many times to challenge people even when I didn't want to. Not in anger, but in love. We will be a people that are filled with the Spirit. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, this is verse 24, with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. When you got saved and you're sitting in your chew or your pew or chew, did I say chew? That's a combo chair pew. Very nice. Um, you're sitting there and you felt that moment where like, oh, maybe warm, maybe just deep conviction. I'm going to trust Jesus today. What part of that did you do? Your soul that loved you in the flesh then being transformed into a new creation, what part of that did you do? Your desires and your affections and the things that you used to love changing to loving the things of God, which part of that did you do? And this is Paul's whole point. Don't add anything to the cross of Jesus. It's finished, and the work that he's doing in you right now, he wants you to join him in, and the only thing you need to do is start crucifying your flesh. Crucify it. Crucifying is dying, right? I always tell guys, like, man, if the computer's a problem, you take that computer, open up the window, whole send it. That's my $2,000 MacBook. Holiness or MacBook? Go to the library. Put the protection on your phone. Be honest with your spouse. Get other godly people around you. God had made a way by the Spirit for these things to be in our lives. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. We are spiritually alive because of the Spirit of God. Now let us keep in step with Him, and then we won't gratify the desires of our hearts. Woo! I want us to walk in freedom, and I want us to be really fruity Christians. I really do. What that's going to require is some honesty, and then I think some determination right now that we, this week, we, we're going to say no to the flesh, and we're going to say, I belong to Jesus Christ. I was crucified with him. That he has seated me in heavenly places with Christ, and I've been given every spiritual blessing. You're like, what is that from? Ephesians 1. So this week's fruit, and then next week, we're going to talk about how to make this war even more and how to listen to the Spirit day to day. We're going to be in Ephesians next week, which is my favorite book of the Bible. But for this week, I, I want to sit you before God 
invite the worship team up. We'll probably, let, if you're a parent, I'm going to ask you at, at noon, can you go get your kid and then come back in and worship and get prayer? But I want to do this in a very particular way. Worship will go on until there's no one left in the room. So if you would bow your heads, I'm going to go through the fruits. And I'm going to let God highlight the ones that you need. So Father, I thank you for your word. That is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And right now, would you come do a work that no man can do? Holy Spirit, invade this room. I want you to sit before God, and I just want you to start being like, God, he talks about being listening to your spirit. I want to I hear you. You have to tell God that. I can't do that for you. Stop worrying about if you will or what it will sound like. The more it's just about a heart of surrender. The Bible says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Ask God to identify the one he wants to grow in you. You have to do it. I can't do it for you. And with your eyes, everybody's eyes closed, just if it's love, if you're like, I know God I need more love in my life. Will you just do one thing? Will you stand up? I'm not, I have my eyes closed, so I don't even care. It's more standing up as a sign to God. God, I pray for those that stand right now, that you would pour the love of the Father into their hearts and so baptize them in the love of God that you would give them wisdom and understanding and revelation of what the love of God is. That if there's old wounds that make them believe that they are unlovable, that you would heal those and break any lies in the name of Jesus. Thank you for their faithfulness to stand and ask for the love of God. Love of God, pour over them. So fill them that their words, their thoughts, their actions would be felt as your love to other people. Maybe it's joy. Maybe you're like, I need joy. Maybe you want to stand. Will you stand if that's you? already standing, you can just get them all. God, I ask for joy. I ask for a spirit of heaviness to be broken in the name of Jesus, and that joy would come. Joy is not happiness. Joy is from the Lord. I thank you that no matter what circumstance, you can bring joy, God. I thank you that you're not afraid of tears. You're not afraid of weak humans draw near to them right now and would you bring joy that's inexpressible from heaven right now I ask for the joy of the Lord that it would bring strength maybe it's peace if you need peace would you stand like I said if you're already standing you just stay up we're just getting them all the peace of God which surpasses all understanding Father, flood this room with the peace of God. Your peace, which is really just you. You bring peace. I, 
bind, I break that spirit of anxiety in the name of Jesus. You said in your word, cast your anxiety on you because you care about us. Satan, you're a liar. God cares about us. And so we cast our anxiety and we invite the peace of God. We want your peace, God. Produce it in us. Make us peace bringers, peacemakers, lovers of peace, not war. Maybe it's patience. If you need patience, would you stand? God, we thank you for your patience, for your faithfulness. You're patient with us. You are not quick. You are slow to anger, abounding in love. Make us like that. I ask, God, that you would supernaturally fill us with patience, that we would be unoffendable, we would not be in a hurry, that we would be able to bear one another's burdens with love for a long time. Not like, I'll give you 24 seconds, but Lord, years. Make us patient like you. Give us wisdom in the situations where we need it. Help us, God. Maybe it's kindness or goodness. I'm going to put them both together. Kindness or goodness. Would you stand up? Lord, let us feel your kindness and see your goodness. You have been kind to us. You have been kind to us. And if we understood your kindness, we would give it. So I ask for revelation of your kindness. I ask that we would understand it in our bones, Lord, that the kindness of God, the love of God, the goodness of God, I ask, Lord, that the ones that stood up for goodness, that they would see and feel your goodness in the land of the living. That if there's despair, that, Lord, they would return and trust in the goodness of God. We trust your good. You are good, entirely good. Maybe it's faithfulness. Maybe you're feeling like giving up. If you need faithfulness, would you stand up? Do not grow weary in doing good. The Lord wants you to run a race. Run it. Thank you for your faithfulness, Jesus, that even when we're not faithful, you are faithful. And if we're weak, you're strong. And if we slow down, you're like, hey, keep pace with me. Thank you for your faithfulness, Jesus. That run the race, that was a word for somebody in this room, and I know it. Gentleness, maybe you're just feeling a little bit aggressive. Maybe you need gentleness. Would you stand? God, I pray for the men that stood up specifically. Make them gentle. Make them fierce warriors in the spirit and gentle like lambs with their families, with their wives, in their work. I pray for the gentleness of God to come out of their hands, to come out of their mouths and in their words. I thank you, God, that you are gentle. That Jesus, you said that you were lowly and gentle and humble of heart. Make us like you. We ask for help. Make us gentle. And if it's self-control, would you stand for the last one? Lord, I ask for help. That you would help us be self-controlled. We would not be ruled by anything other than you. 
strengthen your people, God. Help us say no to our flesh. Help us say no to Satan, not today, enemy of God. Help us to say yes, Jesus, to you. Open our eyes that we could even see clearly what is not of you and what is. We ask for the Holy Spirit and all the fruit. We ask for these things to be greater measure than we've ever seen. I ask, God, that you would come now and as we worship, you would work and heal and restore. We love you. We love your word. We love your spirit. We love your ways. Teach us. We give you our lives. And as we leave, God, I know you're with us. Thank you for joining us today. If you need prayer for anything, you can email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com or you can go on our website at www.cobblestonechurch.com and submit it there. We'd love to pray for you. Have a great week and God bless.